This is Shifting Our Schools, Episode 56, Gamification of Learning. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for downloading and tuning in this week. So glad to have you as a listener. And thank you for continuing to spread the word about Shifting Our Schools. A great podcast here. And we are so excited to be finally kicking off our one-to-one summer of fun, where all summer long, we're going to be focused on the one-to-one classroom. As promised throughout the summer, we're going to be giving away some of our Eduro learning materials as well as discounts on our courses. You can even purchase the actual courses and go through them later if you'd like. So you can pay for them now uh, and then you're going to have access to them for a full year. So you can buy them now when they're on sale and then next school year when you uh, need those resources, you will have access to them. Uh, So it's always great. You can either do it over the summer or you have access to the materials for a year when you purchase our courses. So let's get to it and get you this week's freebie and this week's discounted course. So let's start with the freebie. This week, our freebie is our 30 days of PD email series. You get uh, 30 days every single day for 30 days. You will get an email that will have a video and it will also have all the ideas in the video shared in the body of the email. So if you are a reader and you just want to be able to read the materials, they are there. If you want to more watch the video because you like learning that way, you have access to both in your email. We are getting great reviews on this email series and hopefully be doing more of these in the coming uh, school year. But this first one is fantastic. It has 10 videos from myself, 10 videos from Kim Cafino, and 10 videos from Chrissy. And you just give us your email address and Every day for 30 days, you get an email in your inbox. Again, you can save those for later. Uh, Make sure you give us an email that you're going to be checking and you can save them for later and come back to them. They are yours once you have them. To get that, all you have to do is go to sospodcast.org slash 30 days. That's three zero D-A-Y-S. sospodcast.org slash 30 days. Give us your email address there and you will be ready to rock and roll and getting your 30 days of free PD. I actually had a friend who's a fourth grade teacher who signed up and uh, she emailed me not too long ago and said she loves it. It's exactly what she needs. She's a fourth grade teacher in a one-to-one Chromebook Uh, cart classroom. And she says it's fantastic. Just for 30 days, you know that you're going to get something of great quality. Also, our discounted course, our first discounted course for the summer and our one-to-one summer of fun. Get ready for it. It's our course called Fake News and the Responsibility to be Digital Literate. It's a short course, maybe taking you an hour to three hours, packed full of resources and ideas and PDFs that we've created to help teach digital literacy in your classroom. It covers everything from uh, techniques to talking about fake news with students and how do we become digital literate? What are the things we need to find on the internet and use with kids to help all of us be better, uh, and be more digital literate when we're using technology. You're going to love this. This course is usually $27. And for this week until Saturday, June 23rd, 
It's 15 bucks. $15. You can go purchase it. It's a great way to try out an Eduro learning course, see what they are like, what they're all about, but it's a limited time offer. You only have until Saturday, June 23rd to purchase at the $15 rate. To do that, all you have to do is head over to sospodcast.org slash one two one, the number one TO one. So that will be the same link all summer long. You can head over there and you can pick up your freebies every week. You can pick up your discounted courses all summer long. SOSpodcast.org slash 121. It's actually going to take you to our Eduro Learning website where you will be able to, you'll see the one-to-one micro-credential page and you'll also get to have a sneak preview of some of the other courses and other freebies that will be coming this summer as well. Of course, all of this All these discounts and freebies are coming to you as part of our summer of fun here, our one-to-one summer of fun, as we are... Uh, get ready to launch our one-to-one micro-credential that will launch the end of July. We will open the cart for you to be able to sign up. A chance for you next school year to spend 23 weeks with a mentor or a coach, myself included, uh, learning together to teach better. We are so excited about the launch of this and throughout the summer as we head up to the official launch of the micro credential we'll be giving away all kinds of stuff. You can find them here in the podcast uh, or find them over on the eduro.learning.com website. So we're going to have those everywhere. They're on our Facebook page. You're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to our Facebook. We're giving away some different freebies in different spots. So the more you follow us, the more you're going to get. And I'm so excited. We are in for a treat in today's uh, podcast. I'm so excited that we finally get to release this. Been hanging on to this one for a couple weeks that I was able to finally catch up with Tisha Richmond. Uh, I met Tisha at a conference down in Portland. We had we sat across the table from each other over dinner and we just instantly hit it off. It was it was incredible and I, I don't even remember the rest of what happened at dinner. We just started <laughs> we started chatting and, and that was that. And the same thing happened when we finally got a time on the podcast is we uh, start hitting record and next thing you know it's been almost an hour and there are so many nuggets in here. Uh, Tisha has completely gamified her culinary classroom. That's right. Her culinary classroom is completely gamified. And so we're going to be talking about how she's gamified her classroom, some of the learning that she has gotten out of that, some of the ways that she goes about starting to structure her classroom in a one-to-one learning environment and how she has laid out a structure for gamifying that works for her. It's also really cool that uh, she has a book coming out soon called Making Learning Magical. And that'll be coming out, I think she said in September, but whenever it comes out, I'm definitely sure we'll get her back on. You are so in for a treat. You're going to want to take notes or listen to this one again. It's so, so good. So let's get to it. Why don't we just get started? You can go ahead and just maybe introduce yourself to everyone and let them know kind of where you are and the whole culinary thing, which I found so fascinating when we started chatting. Um, yeah. Just happened to sit across from each other down there at, uh, what was it, APD, APDX, right? APDX, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. APDX, that was cool. So maybe just uh, introduce yourself. We'll get started with the gamification stuff and just go from there. Okay, sounds good. Cool. I am Tisha Richmond. I teach culinary arts currently at South Medford High School in the Medford School District, Southern Oregon. I've been here for 12 years. I'm also the district, um, or not the district, the discovery lead teacher for our school. So in that role, I am um, leading a group of about 500 students and about 25 teachers 
uh, in our in our small school on campus. Wow. So lots of exciting things, and uh, I've always loved loved teaching culinary, and uh, it's been an awesome adventure. Well, talk to me a little bit about that the culinary side of things. Um, pretty unique to have. How big is Medford School District? You guys are pretty good size, aren't you? We have 14 elementary schools, two junior highs, and three high schools. Okay, so, so pretty, pretty good, good size. size. And then are you the only culinary program, or do all high schools have it? Or All the, all the high schools have it. Wow. So both, cool. um, yeah, all three. So they're all thriving, all doing great, high numbers. So yeah, very pretty cool. fortunate. It's, yeah. it's not the case in different parts of the of the nation. As I talk right. to, you know, teachers from around uh, the world, really, they say, wow, we don't have that in our, in our area. So I feel very fortunate that we do. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about the technology setup, uh, one-to-one school district or kids bring BYOD. What, what do you have there as far as uh, the tech setup that allows you to kind of do the gamification and global collaboration projects you do around culinary? Right. So my situation in my classroom is a little bit different. I went to one-to-one iPads in my classroom in 2014. I was the first class on campus that brought technology into the classroom, and I was able to do that through Perkins funding and through a a CenturyLink grant. And so that's kind of what catapulted me into this amazing, you know, journey of being a connected educator. But our school district is, has been rolling out Chromebooks for the last three years, and I believe by the end of this upcoming year, we will be one-to-one in our district. We are looking at different ways um, of maybe having students take those home, but right now they're just classroom sets. Classroom sets, yeah. And so are you moving to Chromebook then, or are you staying with your iPads? You know, in my type of classroom environment, because it is very project-based and my students are moving around and doing a lot of video creation and different things, iPads have worked really well. Um, There are times where the Chromebooks are nice, and in fact, we have a Chromebook cart in of our area that I will borrow at times because you know there's just in some instances especially when we're doing a lot of things with Google Chromebooks are just a little bit more user-friendly so that's nice but we I mean students are using them on a day-to-day basis in my classroom and they have their recipes loaded on them they bring them into the classroom they do videos so because of that iPads have been great. Yeah, no, I, the, I can totally see that in a culinary type classroom. They something small, lightweight, move it around. It's got a great camera. Like you said, if you do the video yeah. and you're taking a lot of foodie pictures, it's always good to. Right. Have a camera. Yeah. For and sure. they're durable. They're pretty durable. Yeah, so, so durable. Yeah. Awesome. Great choice. Great choice. Well, talk to me. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the gamification aspect. I know when we sat and we were talking, I was fascinated by the ways that you've been able to. Uh, gamify the culinary experience for your kids. Talk a little bit about how you got started in that and some of the, the ways that you gamify your, your classroom. Absolutely. So it was back in 2014, actually, it was the same year that I um, got the iPads and started using them that I was at a conference called iPad Palooza. No, it was actually um, Miami Device in Miami, Florida that I met author of Explore Like a Pirate, Michael Matera. Right. And at the time, he, he had done a workshop. I didn't even act, go to his session, but we started talking in the lunch line about gamification. And I just was really intrigued by it because I had done mystery box challenges and chop challenges in my class. But it's always one of those things that I would do every once in a while. And then kids would always be asking, when are we doing that again? That was amazing. It was so fun. I'd be like, oh, yeah. later. We'll do it later. Yeah. You know, but never really fit it in as often as, as they wanted me to. And so I started thinking about my class a little bit differently. And so from that time of meeting Michael, 
we continued communicating and that year it was before he even wrote the book and so in that year he was writing the book and uh, I said you know I really want to do this but it's super daunting to me I don't know if I can pull it off but I, I really think this could be pretty powerful in my in my area and so he says you know just pick a theme pick pick something that you can latch on to and I promise you once you do that everything will start clicking into into place and so the course of the following semester I picked the last unit yeah. it was kind of a, a quarter long unit that I was doing and I thought okay I'm going for it I'm gonna try this and so I did I picked a theme I actually went with a hundred foot journey for that unit it was based on a movie that I had seen and uh, I went from there and it was rough that first time of gamifying but doing it and seeing how the kids responded, I knew I was on to something. I knew yeah, that this was cool. something that I could really continue to do and could be really powerful. And so from then on, I, you know, the following year, I decided I would take one singleton class and start gamifying that. And then that became really successful and students loved it. And so then it just, you know, it, it just, just grown yeah. over the course of the years um, since 2014. And now I, I gamify all of my classes. I have um, culinary two, which is a semester class and culinary three, which is a year. Um, every semester I have a different game. So I have a master chef theme for culinary two. <laughs> I do a food truck, a great food truck race in culinary three for American regional cuisine. And then I do the amazing race um, game for my second half of culinary three uh, for international cuisine. That's so cool. There's, there's a couple lessons in there that I really like. And I think uh, for, for teachers who are listening to this, mm -hmm. that idea of starting small, right? Like, yes. it, like when you think, when you try to think of like, yes. oh my gosh, I have to gamify everything that I do. You instantly go to this, like, there's no way it's going to happen. But if you start yeah. with something like you found a unit that was, you know, right for you, that you could go from it. And that was what, four or five years ago now. Right. And now, and now you're completely gamifying, right? Like you don't have to do it all right at the start. Find your little yes. foothold and allow that, allow, allow that to move you forward. The other thing I love is like all of your games, like I think it was just as you were talking, I didn't even realize this. Like the Food Network has made a living out of gamifying culinary, right? Like absolutely. But then, but then you use like the Amazing Race, and there's all these reality games that you have been able to basically take the same premise, right? Take the mm -hmm. premise of a game, take what makes those games engaging to both watch on television and be want to be in, and yes. make that be part of the classroom. You know, you don't have absolutely. to think. You don't have to come up with everything on your own. I mean, this no. is sitting there if you know where to look, right? Absolutely. And it really can be adapted to all classes. Just because yeah. I'm taking these concepts from a culinary show and bringing it into culinary doesn't mean you can take some of those gamified elements and bring it into social studies and language arts. In fact, I have many, many friends who are doing just that and are gamifying their classes in a variety of ways. And, you know, I think of it as this, this framework that you layer over your curriculum. So I think sometimes people get really overwhelmed by the idea because I think they've got to uproot everything that they've ever done and start from scratch. And, yeah. you know, I'm teaching essentially the same skills, the same units that I always have. It's just I have layered this storyline and these game mechanics over what I do to create this very immersive, empowering learning environment for my students and it's made a world of difference. I mean, I have a class that really most students want to take. It's a, it's an elective. Yeah. Most kids sign up for it. And the, the level of, um, 
immersion, the, the, the empowerment that students feel as well is just powerful. I mean, I mm -hmm. have students that are all in and I really feel that I could teach my class and have no grades attached and my students would be just as fired up as they mm -hmm. are. Um, now and probably more so. <laughs> so. Do, you see, do you see a lot of your kids? I mean, by the sounds of things, like you and the district has gone full in on culinary as part of a vocational. Do you have kids that go on to community college, technical colleges, or four-year degree in culinary, and they come back and talk to you about your classes? Or absolutely, I have wow. quite a few That's students cool. who have gone on to culinary school. We are actually articulated with Lane Community College up in Eugene. Okay. And so all of our levels of culinary arts are um, in that articulation. And so students can earn up to nine credits of, wow. of credit for Lane Fantastic. through our program, which is really awesome. And, you know, we being in Southern Oregon don't have any programs within our um, Southern Oregon area. So students will either go to Lane, which is our articulation. Yeah. Some will go to Cascade Culinary and Bend. Others will go to the culinary school in Coos Bay. Those are all mm -hmm. about the same distance from yeah, each other. a couple hours like, from you, yeah. Right, right. And so I've had students go to all three of those programs. And then I also had a student um, in the last couple of years graduate from the Culinary, culinary Institute of America at Greystone in Napa Valley. And he had oh, a wow. phenomenal experience there and is now just thriving in, in one of our local restaurants. And he's actually come back and mentored our kids for our pro start competition that they've done. So it's really exciting to see our kids go on um, and explore careers in, 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 in the industry, industry and then give back, you know, to be able to come back and mentor kids is really Yeah, that's so cool. What a great full circle. I just love those stories, yeah. those full circle stories. You also talked about that you got into the last couple of years doing some global collaborations. Talk to me about how, how has that been and, and maybe, and this is something I still struggle with as mm -hmm. I get off here and then have meetings for the next four hours running a global company because it's, you know, eight, six right. o'clock, seven o'clock here in, in Pacific time, but it's just mm -hmm. 6 a.m. in Bangkok where Kim is. Um, that, the global collaborations, the time zones are always the hardest. They're always the thing that kind of... Uh, are probably the most frustrating part that I hear from teachers. So talk a little bit about your global collaborations and how do you work around the, the time zone problem? It's tough. And that was yeah. one of the hardest things that I had to begin with. Um, I have become very connected as an educator since 2014. So the power of connection has become really, really important to me because the opportunities that have come my way and um, the exponential growth that I've experienced as an educator absolutely would have not would not have happened if it was not for being connected on Twitter mm -hmm. through Voxer um, and through social media. So one of the things that I did was just share out on Twitter, "Hey, I'm looking for collaborators. Yeah. I want to connect my kids," and that was the first step. And I threw it out there. I created kind of a, a canvas slide just to try to <laughs> highlight what I wanted to do and. You know, I had all these people start wow. uh, corresponding with me and wanting to connect. And two connections that were really fun this year was one class, uh, Brandy Miller, and she is in Florida, and she has a first grade class. And this first grade collaborated with my students for the amazing race. And so oh, cool. we collaborated in a number of ways, but we use Flipgrid as one of the means of collaborating. And so her students would send videos to us on yep. Flipgrid and cool. then we would our students would send videos back and they would kind of communicate back that way another thing that would happen um, was 
my students would have these challenges in class where they had to create a dish and then it would be judged. And so we used Padlet. And so students in my class, we call them food snaps. Yeah. And food snaps was a concept that I kind of adapted from my good friend, Tara Martin, who does the book snaps. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but basically taking an image and then annotating over it. Um, to help students connect to their learning and adding bitmojis and, and that sort of thing. So my students would take food snaps of their food that they created, and then in the columns on Padlet would add their their pictures. Cool. And then I I um, allowed I sent this to the first grade class, and Brandy would have her first graders sit in front of their computers and vote on their favorite dishes. <laughs> And it was so fun to see pictures of Brandy's class. I mean, these kids were just staring at the screen, like really <laughs> focusing on what their favorite dishes were. And she would give them certain criteria to yeah. look for. And then, of course, my students would try to plate their dishes so that it would appeal to first grade oh, yeah. class. What a, so they're what adding a great marketing, you know? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were trying to, you know, doctor it up to really yeah. appeal. So it was really, really fun just to have that connection. And then another fun thing that this first grade class did was uh, in the Amazing Race, my students would get to the end of a, a region of the world that they were studying and they would have a pit stop and they would have this challenge where we would bring in an authentic audience of staff members and local restaurant owners and community members to judge. And so students would not only have to create this dish for this pit stop challenge, but they mm -hmm. would also have to ha have some type of a presentation where they would um, basically demonstrate their learning, what they knew about that region of the world. And so these first graders created Google Slides for my students to incorporate into their presentations. And so these first graders were learning oh, wow. about the country alongside you know, us, and then we were able to use that slide in the presentations. And my students do all different types of presentations. Some of them are movies, some of, you know, all sorts of different things. Yeah. But they were able yeah. to incorporate that in some way. And then the other collaboration that we did that was really fun was with a class in Chicago. And these were eighth grade students, and they were studying marketing. And so my students, when they launched into this amazing race, they created team names for their mm. teams. And then this class in Chicago created logos for our students. So they oh, cool. had this collaboration back and forth where my students would basically, you know, send a video, each team would send a video saying, well, this is kind of what we were thinking. This is our team name. And this is what the, you know, kind of the idea we have in our heads we kind of like these colors and then this class would take those ideas and then come up with a come up with a logo and then share it with them and then they would you know it exactly. would just revise and, and, and did you do that through was that through like flipgrid as well then that was like that communication mm -hmm. and then we also used google drive too a little bit to, yeah. to share so the way that you kind of over the way you kind of really overcame like the the time zone thing was you made it, it's almost all asynchronous. Yes. Like kids were leaving videos at different times or you were doing Padlet at different times. So you didn't have to be in the same spot at the same time. We really did it. And it would yeah. have been beautiful. That's a great workaround. Have yeah. like a Google Hangout or Skype, but the sure. way that the timing worked, my class was in the afternoon. So the time zone, by the time sure. my students right. met, they were already out for the day. So it would have been fun to do that, but it, it worked really well. And you really could to, you could, really get to know the kids and their personalities, yeah. even though it wasn't in real time. It was, yeah. 
it was a lot of fun and it was so, definitely something that I want to explore further because mm -hmm. it was powerful. And I think it's just a really good learning experience for, for all of us. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to put on my, uh, my uh, sinister teacher brain where I can just, I can hear teachers, I can see teachers and hear teachers listening to this episode and being like, oh, Tisha, that's so easy for you because it's culinary. And sure, you can just go get a chef to come in and you have this authentic audience of your teachers coming in. That would work. I can see how that works in culinary. Mm -hmm. I can't see how that works in English. Right. I can't see how that works in math. And I know you're, you're transitioning to a, a role, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but you're moving mm -hmm. into a coaching role. How do you see, like, how do you, what's your pathway with teachers when you're talking about this stuff to be like, no, you're right, I do it this way in culinary, but, but there are ways to do this, the same thing in every content area. This isn't content area based. It's really a transformation of, of approach to learning that you have to take on. How, what, what are the conversations you're having with teachers around that? Absolutely. And there have been teachers on campus that have been interested and I have helped them and they are now gamifying their classes and have had amazing results. And the first thing that I would say is start small, like we talked about yeah. before, I would say, come up with a storyline. So mm. find, think about something that inspires you. Maybe you love watching TV or maybe it's books or maybe it's sports. Think about that and then start kind of honing in on a theme that you want to have. And it does not have to be content specific. So you could have a Star Wars theme and you could be teaching English or math or science. Right. And start with that theme and then start thinking of what your storyline is going to be. Where is your classroom going to take place? If you're doing a Star Wars theme, are you in a galaxy? You know, where, what is it going to look like? And then start thinking about who are the characters? Who are your students going to be in this environment? In my um, food truck race, my students were food truck owners and they were running these food trucks and my master chef game, my students are kind of contestants in this show, the master chef. And then we have these people that come in, these characters that come in and that are judges that come and they, they are there for the competitions. And then think about, you know, what kind of action is going to happen? Where is this, where's the excitement going to take place? Are they going to be mini games that you have throughout your unit? Are they going to be these challenges? Are they going to be the pit stops? So develop that storyline first. That's the very first thing that you'd want to do. And then start thinking about how you could apply these game mechanics. And again, mm -hmm. this is a framework that you layer over your curriculum. So think of, you know, your units of study and then how you could apply some game mechanics over those units of study to really make your your units come alive. In my MasterChef game, they, we have levels. And so my students, every unit, are trying to get to 4,000 XP. And if they get to 4,000 XP within a unit, they become MasterChef. Okay. So they can get to 1,000, and, and that is the apprentice level. They can get to 2,000, and that's sous chef level. And they get to 4,000, they become MasterChef. And there's some advantages to each of those levels, but of course the ultimate is the master chef. Yeah, of course. So, um, and they really, it's helping them towards their summative. So if right. they get to a thousand, they get to use a three by five card on the test. If they get to 2000, they either get to team up with another sous chef or they get to use a full page of notes. If they get to 4,000, 
they've mastered it because they've demonstrated their learning in all of these different ways that they've, they, they don't need to take the test because they've oh, already I demonstrated love it. the content. I love and it. Then it's pretty awesome. And then there's another little perk that they, while everybody else is taking the test, they get a free cooking day. So they get to make whatever <laughs> they want. So even if you taught math or science, of course, yeah. they won't get the free cooking day, but you can still apply those concepts. They could still yeah. get a three by five card on the test, or maybe they get a freebie, like phone a friend question if they get to yeah. 1000. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can do. It's definitely, yeah. um, I think, could even be more powerful in a class um, yeah. that's a content-based And, and for, those of you, for those of you listening on the podcast, uh, that whole approach, which I love the way you laid that out, is called mastery learning. And it's a way that we're really starting to move to in education, this mm -hmm. idea that if a student has shown proficiency and has mastered a subject, they don't need a summative assessment. I don't need a one-off, one-hour test to tell me you've got 4,000 points. Right. Right. It's very much a mastery approach to grading uh, mm -hmm. that you have layered inside this gamification. And I love that. Um, yeah. Constantly talking to teachers about how do we get to a point where we are, we are moving towards a mastery learning approach, not an averaging together of grades and saying, well, mm -hmm. I know you got an F on the first one and an A on the last one, so you got a C for the semester. When really that, that student should have an A. They've showed growth, which is what we want, right? right? And getting to that mastery approach. I love that layering in of gamification because that's what games do. Games right. are mastery levels, right? You go through levels and you, you know, you get whatever you get, you know, you get to use a card or a friend or you, you pass the level and go to, go to the next one. Right. I love it. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. And I think too, it gives students a, a variety of ways to demonstrate their learning. Yeah. They can earn these, basically the XP, we call them XP, um, are held on badges and they're actually tangible badges. You could do it digitally, but I kind of like the this physical, tangible thing, yeah. physical thing that they keep in a baseball card sleeve that's <laughs> laminated and so they can hold on to them and they can earn them for, for things like product quality. So in a lab, mm. if, if they, they all bring me their food and we have a face-to-face, -face, um, I give them face-to-face -face feedback on their dishes and the top scoring teams are going to maybe get a product quality badge. This is not attached to their grade. This is totally separate but they might get that. I do bakery missions and culinary missions. And so I will launch a culinary mission each week on Google Classroom and they can take it or leave it. It's not a grade. They don't have to do the missions, but if they choose to, they can demonstrate their understanding of the content by doing all sorts of, yeah, you know, absolutely. a variety of things. And yeah. um, they're really allowed to be creative and to demonstrate learning in a way that makes sense to them. And there's always an expiration date. It's do it. And I always make it like midnight because that sounds yeah. way cooler than 4 p.m. <laughs> I'll say it's due Friday at midnight. Yeah. You know? and, and so they can, they can, they submit it to me by midnight at, at, on Friday. And if, if they do and they have earned that amount of XP, they get it. If they don't, they don't. If they don't that's do awesome. it at all, that's fine. They don't want to demonstrate their learning in that, in that way. It's okay. And uh, then we do like little mini games to review and so they can learn, earn badges that way too. And so I really find that giving students multiple opportunities and ways to demonstrate their learning really meets the, the very learners that you have in your mm. class. I love that. Um, so you talked about the, the importance of the importance to you of being a connected educator. Mm -hmm. what, what, what would you say what would be like your top three tips for, for teachers who constantly hear us 
blabbering on about you've got to get connected. You've got to get on Twitter. You've, you don't understand the amazing world of education that's out there. If you can just get connected, what are kind of like your three, like aha moments or, um, just even things that you try to try to support teachers in, into understanding what it means to be a connected, a connected educator. Where do you oh start? And how did you get started? And, I would say, um, first, just be really intentional about the, mm. the PLN and the community that you want to create. And so I I'm very that. intentional about who I follow. I follow people who are going to bring value to me as an educator, inspire me and help me grow. And if I'm following someone who is not doing that, then I don't follow them because that yeah. this is my professional learning network and I want to grow through this network and I want to be in a positive space, right? right. Because if we're going to be going on to Twitter on our spare time, we don't need, we don't need a social network that's going sure. to bring us down. Um, so that I would say for sure. Um, what really grew my professional learning network was when I started to join in on Twitter chats mm -hmm. because there's this, this group of educators that, Go back to that place week after week and you start to develop relationships with those people and you can carry on side conversations. And so maybe there's a Twitter chat and one of the questions brings up this topic that you're really intrigued about and interested in and you are following this conversation and somebody starts answering and you connect and you're like, oh my goodness, that person, it's exactly what I want to do. I want to follow up with that person. Then you can carry on a side dialogue and um, pretty soon you have really developed this connection with this person and you can learn more from each other. Yeah, um, so, I, so I think that that I, Twitter chats have been really, really powerful for me as well. And um, I would just say, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, just lurk at first, don't join yeah. into the Twitter chat. Just, just pay attention, follow a hashtag that maybe seems like it would be valuable to you and just watch the conversation that's happening and start paying attention. And when you see people post things that are really uh, meaningful or inspiring to you, then follow those people. And, um, you know, it's been a process. I started Twitter in 2014. It was iPad Palooza, not Miami device that I really became um, aware of social media for yeah. educators. I had no clue that this was something, this was a thing. <laughs> like yeah. I did not even understand Twitter at the time. And at this <laughs> conference, people were starting to like share resources and the facilitators were sharing out their handles. And I'm like, what is this? I <laughs> what is going this on? <laughs> what is going on? They're doing like these photo challenges. I'm like, I've got to, see, I got to check this out. And so I just started following the people that, you know, I, workshops that I went to at this conference and just started exactly what I did. I started lurking yeah. and paying attention and one follow would lead to another follow. And it's, it's been, um, this gradual process, but oh my goodness, I, I honestly can say that I have grown more in the last four years as an educator than in my entire 20 plus years of education yeah, so combined. Yeah. It's, it's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I like when I, when I, I, the, I have the top three, I mean, it's, I, I love asking people who are connected educators this because we, every time it boils down to like those three things, right? Mm -hmm. Like find your people, 
and yeah. don't be afraid to unfollow. I, the, the only thing I do is I, the exact same three. I do them in reverse order when I'm talking with mm-hmm. you. And I just say this on the podcast because if people, you can do, do it whichever way you want. Mm-hmm. But I, I have found great success in find your hashtag because your hashtag is your community, mm-hmm. whether that's math or science or culinary. Like find your hashtag because that's, those are your people, right? Those are yeah. all the math teachers or all the science teachers or all the whatever mm-hmm. subject you are. And then within that, then find your people. Right. That's where, or like you did, I mean, you did very much the same thing. You go to a conference, that conference is a community. And now everybody at that conference is there for the same reason you're at that conference. And so you start following those people and you build your PLN from, from there out. Right. Right. And I find that community to kind of steal from first to kind of get the right people. Well, and I think for me, um, the reason why it was reversed for me was because I have such a specialized area that yeah. I was having a really hard a time hard finding time. my people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, yeah, so, absolutely. and so I have, and I have, I have made a lot of amazing culinary connections, but um, what I found is that in a specialized area, like I have in my own district, I was living in a silo for a long time. I was just, I was a singleton teacher and my PLC was made up of the auto shop teacher and the business teacher and the welding teacher. (laughs) We're all so different. But what I really found was when I started connecting with educators across the educational spectrum, I, I was realizing, oh my goodness, just because they teach something different than me, I can totally take those concepts and ideas and apply it to my class. I don't, they don't have to be a singleton teacher anymore. I don't have to live in a silo anymore. And that was a really powerful aha moment for me um, because I have kind of a rare specialty subject area. Yeah. So you find that PLN and and it is, there's no professional development better than once you find your people. Like the, the amount of stuff, the thing that blows my mind is the amount of stuff that educators continually give away to each other. Yes. You know, presentations and handouts and ideas. And it's just incredible. You know, we're such a great community of educators as a whole to continue to continue to do that. So very good. Well, let's finish up. You're starting, um, before we started recording here, you were talking about that you have a new role in your district. You're going to be the first coach. Is it a tech coach? Is it a learning coach? It's a tech instructional coach. And so this is the first um, time they have had this position open up in our district. And, I'm really excited about it. It is a huge transition for me because I have been in the culinary classroom for 12 years at South Medford High School. And so I have been on an amazing journey of of developing this program. And I absolutely love the classroom. I really do. And so it's it's bittersweet to leave, but I really want to amplify my impact. That was my one word for this year was amplify. And I really want to amplify my impact and make positive change. And I feel like this is an amazing opportunity to do that. It's a new challenge and it's so needed. I mean, we have been rolling out Chromebooks in our district for the past few years and we will have one-to-one Chromebooks in classrooms by the end of next year. Mm. And teachers, they don't know what they don't know. So I think to be able to help come alongside them and to be able to show them the amazing things that you can do with creativity and, and critical thinking and communication and collaboration, those four C's I think are so important. And um, I think the immediate 
response for teachers is they want to go to that substitution level of SAMR and just yeah. use the Chromebooks <laughs> for the same thing that you could do with a pen yeah. and pencil, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I am so excited about opening up educators world that there are so, so many more things that we can do to bring our students into the 21st century. Cool. And are you just a uh, high school, high school, middle school? What, it's the district. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it wow. is, it's daunting, is but it's a starting point. It's a starting yeah. point, And I'm really excited about um, just helping establish this position and just get us set on the right foot. And yeah. I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm, I'm very, very excited and um, it's going to be fun. It's yeah. Be fun. Very cool. Well, as you get into that new role, uh, don't we, uh, Kim Cafino, who's my co, uh, co-person that we do all these businesses together. She just finished a, I think it's a 12 part series of talking to coaches around the world about getting started coaching. And so it's all oh, on YouTube. If you go to neat. YouTube and you type in, yeah, I think it's a 12 people series. And there are some great conversations of just like getting started and how do you get into that teacher's classroom that doesn't want to have you in that classroom and uh, oh, really, really good stuff. Yeah. So can't um, wait. Yeah. All over our website too. There's all kinds of coaching stuff. We got a whole coaching micro credential that we do, but there's a ton Yay. of stuff out there. So to support you, and if you need help, uh, please let us know because that's amazing. Uh, it's very good. Well, that is a big, big, big job. It is well, and that is another thing about being connected. I have yeah. connected with so many of my friends are have been or are in this role, and so I'm I've just been a sponge. Like, teach yeah. me your ways because yeah. 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 I'm a sponge. I want to learn as yeah. much as I can. And it's you know, it's a it's a it's a really a shift, and it, it I think you know, to be able to be a good classroom teacher is, I think, a criteria to being a good, uh, a good coach. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole nother, like, there's a whole nother level when you're with your colleagues, you know, and right. that colleague to colleague relationship. And, you know, you're no longer the classroom teacher, but you're not an administrator. So you don't have that kind of authority. And there, I mean, there is some, and that's always, that's always a rough one to kind of, kind of figure out where you fit and how, how you go about that. And it's not always, it's not on you. It's like just, you know, it's the, the politics of schools and the way teachers yes. feel. That's how it is. But I'm sure you're going to rock it. I mean, you've got so many ideas and they just like, you don't even have to think about it. You're, you know, I can't write down fast enough all the ideas that are coming out of your head. And I'm just like, she's not even thinking about this stuff anymore. It's just the way you think, right? I get, I get excited about it. So, I'm passionate well, about it. So. I, I, I love it. Thank you for taking time uh, to talk with us. This is amazing. It's like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode just to get everything down again. Um, if people want to follow you and have you become part of their PLN, what are, what are some places that they can get in touch with you? Where do you hang out these days? Well, definitely follow me on Twitter at Tish Rich, T-I-S-H-R-I-C-H. You can also find me on Voxer at the same handle. I have a blog post, tisharichman.com, where I reflect on teaching and learning and, and share out a lot of stuff. And I also am writing a book. So it is Congrats. going to be coming out in the fall of this year. It is going into the, it's, it's in the editing stages and I'm publishing through Dave Burgess Consulting. So really excited about that. And it should be coming out in September. Awesome. What's the title? Make Learning Magical. Make learning magical. I love that. Congratulations on that. The book's always a, always a big thing. We'll have to make sure we get a link to that book once it's uh, once it comes out in September. Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for taking time with us. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got this uh, recorded. We've tried a couple times and uh, schedules kept getting in the way. So I really appreciate you taking time. 
Oh, it's an honor. Thank you so much for Thanks, having me. Thanks, Dish I appreciate it. Welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.